Good morning. For those of you who are new to First Methodist, uh, KJ, who introduced him, said we're so glad to have him. Grew up in the church, KJ Relke. Uh, his parents go here, uh, his sister, and uh, we're really, really glad to have KJ with us today. So uh, if you get the chance between services, uh, welcome him. And there's Dave and Sharon over there. Yeah. Are you glad to see KJ? All right, I want to tell you a quick story. It goes back quite a while. Uh, my pattern when my daughter was in elementary school was that uh, we would eat breakfast together. Well, mostly she was kind of slow getting up. But anyway, that's another story. We would eat breakfast together, and I would have cereal or whatever and read the newspaper, if some of you remember what the newspaper looked like. And I've, I'd read the headlines well, I'd probably start with the sports page and then maybe read the headlines. And if I had time, the business page. And I, I would really get into it. Well, one morning I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm really focused. I can't remember what sports was going on. And I could hear this voice. And I thought, just one more paragraph. One more box score. One more. I could hear this voice. And then it happened. The spoon comes ripping through the newspaper. And my daughter drug it all the way to the bottom. And I looked over the top and she said, now I have your attention. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, I need to get to school early today. And I said, okay. And I, of course, I apologized profusely as we got into the car. I'm so sorry, honey. I, I know I wasn't listening to you. I love you. I love you. And she said, Dad, come on. You don't in the morning ever listen to me. You get into that newspaper and just don't listen. She was right. I was distracted. And she wasn't the only casualty in my life in terms of relationships. And there's too many times when I get deaf the voices in my life and the most important voice in my life. And, and, and truly, this passage before us this morning is about hearing. It's probably one of the first parables that Jesus tells, if not the first. And because what it is, is it, it's, it's, it's an introduction to what is coming. Because the primary focus of Jesus' parable here is to ask the question, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? And our challenge as we look at this passage is not so much to determine which soil that we are, the road, the hard path, the rocky area where there's a lack of, 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 of depth for roots or the weeds or the healthy soil, but rather, which soil are we right now? Because all of us at one time or another in our lives have been one of those soils in our struggle to hear 
what God has for us. And, and so really, that's what this is about. And I'm going to spend three weeks looking at, at this parable. And uh, we're going to really kind of dig down into the different verses. Today we're going to look at verse 5 in particular. Next week we're going to move to, to uh, 7 and 8. And I'm going to kind of add some context from the rest of, the, of, of what uh, Jesus is telling about this parable. But that's what we're about. Are we listening? And I'm going to ask two questions. What does this passage tell us about us? And what does this passage tell us about God? Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Hide me behind the cross, O oh God. And for every word that I don't speak that you would have me speak, I, feel, I pray that you would fill in the gaps. That no matter what I say this morning, that we would hear your word for us. Lord, I pray for anointing. I pray for your presence. I pray for your Holy Spirit. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke wants us to know that Jesus is trying to get our attention. Are you listening? In fact, when we look at chapter 8, some form of listening or hearing is used eight times. Eight times. In verse 8, he says, let anyone with ears to hear listen. In verse 10, he says, so that listening they may not understand. And, uh, and what he's doing there is talking about the complexity of parables. And not so much that we don't understand, but that we have to open our ears to hear in order to understand. And, and then he refers to those who hear. Same word, verse 12, 13, 14, and 15, as he explains and interprets the parable of the sower. And then in verse 18, he says, pay attention to how you listen. Pay attention to how you listen. And, and then there's this kind of strange thing, to those that it is given, more will be given, and it, 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 the Greek is a little bit complex there. But what it's really saying is, is that the more we listen, the more we will hear. The more we listen, the more capacity that we will have to listen. The more we open ourselves, the more God's word is poured out upon us. And then finally, in verse 21, it, it, we tend to focus on verse 21 as, as the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here to see you. And he says, who are my mothers and brothers? For my family are those who hear the word of God. He's not disrespecting his family. He's not disrespecting his mother or his brothers. He's just simply saying that those who hear and receive the word are his family. We are his family as we listen. So let's start with what does this tell us about us? First, 
We have to work at listening. It doesn't come naturally. And then next, you know, from the time that we hear the parable of the three little pigs, and we continue to try to find a moral to the story, you know, build your house on the rock, not on the sand, don't cry wolf, slow and steady wins the race, don't count your chickens before they hatch, and for goodness sakes, be healthy soil. What this tells about us is that we want to try to simplify and find some definite answer to the complexity of what God has for us. And, and when we read about the four soils, you know, we want to put this in Jesus' mouth, that you need, we need to be good soil. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say that we need to be good soil. He does say, be good soil because that's when you hear the word of God. That's when the word can take root within you. And the implication in the parable is that <laughs> it is not so much that we are one of the four and we're sitting here trying to decide, which one am I? Hmm. But as I said earlier, at one time or another, we all fall into the trap of the first three and so desperately need the the qualities of the healthy soil. What does this passage tell us about ourselves? That none of us, none of us are just one way when it comes to hearing God's word. We struggle. We, uh, we take two steps forward and one step back. We, it is a process of growth and development. As we grow in our faith, in our spirituality, and in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And, and really the most important question for us as we look at this passage and what it has for us and what it tells us about us is where are we today? Where are we today? And what are the steps that we need to take to move toward that healthy soil? to hear God's word, to listen better. Now, we're going to spend three more weeks and, and deal with each of the soils, but uh, two more weeks and deal with the, each of the soils. But this morning, I want to focus on verse 5. Because for me, verse 5 is the verse in this parable that just whoops me. You know, this is my temptation and in my place of greatest failure. Because the path is the place of travel. You know, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. The path is the well-traveled place. It is the place where all the activity goes and comes. It is the place of noise. It is the place of chaos. And it is the place that in order to survive... We have to be hard. It represents those times in our lives when we don't listen at all in order to survive. 
And as we look at this passage, the word that is translated trample, katapatheia, in its full me- fuller meaning, it means that it is so crowded that you cannot move other than to go forward with the crowd. Does that sound familiar? It does for me. And we cannot hear for all the noise around us. Further, the word translated ate it up. It says the birds ate it up. And as I read it, I'm thinking, you know, is this refer to the birds? Or does this refer to the soil? Because the the word there is uh, cataphagian, which more fully means exposed to hunger. As I was thinking and meditating and praying over that, I realized, you know, when we're on that path, when, 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 when we are crowded and forced by our own desires if, to, to, be, to move with the crowd and by the, the continuing noise and chaos that are around us, we're hungry. We're hungry for something more. And no matter what this life may bring us, there is nothing but the word, presence of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that can fill that hunger. For there is a hole within us that can only be filled by God. And, and the result is, in our hunger, we focus on self. And there is an inability to keep commitments, to focus or to see the blessings that are right there in front of us. I mean, just take a look at our world. I mean, for a moment, just, just close your eyes and, and think of those at work or in your neighborhood or at school and those that you interact with. That is a picture of our society today. A lack of commitment, a lack of focus, a lack of direction. For when people are overcommitted, they don't commit, at least not long term. People don't search for ways to be involved, they search for ways to avoid. And the default answer, and even in the self-help books, it encourages us to say no, 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 no. And for a lot of things, we need to say no. But to our Lord, we need to say yes. We need to say yes. For the way of the road is a way of subtraction and not addition. And when we're overwhelmed, we can't focus. And, and, and researchers, here's, here's what's interesting. As I was reading about this, researchers suggest that, that this environment actually changes our brain. And we lose, we literally lose the ability to focus over long periods of time. It becomes natural to innocently move from one thing to another and to forget even where we started. (laughs) This passage mentions the devil and and what the devil does with distraction. And uh, if you've read 
C.S. Lewis's book, uh, The Screwtape Letters. It, you may be familiar with this scene. The Screwtape, the senior devil, is training an apprentice, Wormwood. And he's training him in the art of demonic manipulation. And Screwtape recounts this, uh, this, uh, this uh, particular occurrence when he'd been working with a, with a person and had been leading that person away from God. And the, and the person came to a place, got involved in a group where he was about to make a spiritual breakthrough. And here's what Screwtape recommends to his apprentice. He says, I was beginning to see 20 years of demonic work go down the drain. And so I suggested to the man that it was time for lunch and that there was a pub just down the street. And with that, he lost his focus and the crisis of faith, of renewing his faith, was done. Even minor distractions can be harmful. The ability, the need the, to stay on task with our spiritual growth is a constant battle. So what do we do? What shall we do? Well, I can tell you what we're trying to do as a church. We're, we're trying to put a focus on discipleship. A focus on discipleship so that as and what I'm, I'm going to share with you today kind of three steps in that process. The, f- the first step is to find a place of, of peace and quiet. And one of those places is to be a part of worship, where our total f- focus is upon God and upon the Spirit of God and dwelling within us. But it also means daily prayer to set a time, whether it's even five minutes to sit and pray and meditate. And, and then secondly, what we're encouraging people to do is there, there's a course that we're offering where it'll be, uh, you'll have, we'll start signing up for it at the end of this month called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And the course is about developing spiritual practices. And th- those practices of of how to pray every day, how to meditate in, in the morning, in the evening, how we become, how we can get in touch with who we really are emotionally so that we not only can be spiritually connected, but emotionally healthy, that those blockers that have developed over our lives as our, as our hearts have become a road can be broken down. And, and then third... Get involved in a group. And that's the next step. As we finish up Emotionally Spirituality, we're going to start our core groups. And we're, as you know, some of you are involved in those core groups. We've actually had, during COVID, record involvement in our core groups. And during, the, during that season in the fall, as, as I preach on the Apostles' Creed and what we believe, our core groups are going to be focusing on the very same material. And those small groups are an opportunity for folks to to be held accountable and to dig deeper into their faith, to plow the ground, to turn it 
that we might find the healthy soil that God has placed within all of us. So finally, what does this passage tell us about God? What does this passage tell us about God? You know, we kind of look at the sower, you know, the, the soils, and it looks as if Jesus is just talking about us. You know, our poor, pitiful lives as we become either a hard road at times or, or stuck among the rocks where there is no depth to our experience of God or caught in the weeds where we get choked out. And then those marvelous moments where the word can take real root in our lives. The parable of the sower is also about God. And, and here's, here's what I see. Every farmer knows that you sow seed on the ground where it's going to bear fruit. Right? You intentionally look for the healthy soil. That's where you put your seed. But if you look at the passage, this sower doesn't do that. This sower indiscriminately sows seed on the road, in the rocks, in the weeds, as well as the healthy soil. The sower represents God. And what we see in the sower is that God never gives up on us. Just like with the disciples who were so hard-headed and so caught in the past that they never really saw who Jesus was until the resurrection, Jesus never gave up on them. So God never gives up on us. No matter how, how hard that we might be at times, no matter how shallow that we might be at times, no matter how you know, challenged that we, God continues to sow the seed continues to pour it out upon us, never gives up on us. God is downright foolish with his love. Downright foolish. Would you do that? I would have given up on me a long time ago. But I thank God that he did not for God pours his love on us relentlessly until there is a day when the word takes root and the abundant harvest comes forth a hundredfold. Yeah, this passage is not just about us. It's about who God is. And he's just longing and waiting for us to listen. So let me ask you. How is the world working for you? How are you coping? Are you working harder or smarter? What soil? If you had to be honest. Would you be today? While I was on vacation, I uh, and I watched the services, and I was a little embarrassed when Cindy said that I was playing golf on Sunday morning, which I did not. <laughs> but I did play golf almost every other day. And as you probably have read, if you get our email, those of you who uh, who are new here may not know that 
last was it last week, whenever it was, uh, I collapsed on the golf course, uh, went into kidney failure and 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 heart failure. Thank God for the uh, uh, for the emergency room technicians and doctors. And I saw my doctor on Thursday. And here's what he said to me. He said, John, I don't understand. He says, Thursday afternoon, when you came to the emergency room, you should have been dead. And by Thursday evening, everything was functioning, it looks like, pretty well. And by Thursday morning, when they ran the echo on your, on your heart and your kidneys, they were normal. He said, that didn't happen. You know what I told him? I said, my whole church is praying for me. There is more to this life than just this. But here's what else my doctor said to me. Because as we went back and tried to figure out what brought me to that point, it actually had started about five days before. And he said this to me. He said, John, you've got to listen to your body. You got to listen to your body. And I was working on this sermon at the same time, and I thought, oh my. Not only do I need to listen with my body, I need to listen with my spirit. Because I don't think any of us want a spoon coming through the distractions of our life and ripping open a wound that will take us a long time to heal. So where are you? And where do you need to be? Thanks be to God.